0: You're listening to Bloom in Tech with David Bloom. Hey everybody, it's David Bloom with Bloom in Tech. This week, we're talking about Snap, Snapchat, and some of the companies trying to do business with them, and even some speculation that they might be a useful takeover target as they continue to struggle in the stock price arena. It's been a week of ups and downs for upstart social media platform Snap. Now people are wondering how long the company might stay independent. On Monday, it announced a deal with Amazon to allow its users to get product information just by pointing their phone in the Snapchat app at a barcode or product. The potential... For product search and affiliate marketing, for Snap, and even for its creators and advertisers is huge. I think this is a potentially big deal to allow them to generate a lot more money and certainly build a relationship with one of the biggest companies out there. That should buoyed the share prices, and it did briefly, but by the end of the week, the shares hit an all-time low, $8.43, roughly a third the price on the day the company went public about a year and a half ago. Investors are still unhappy about that 2% drop in average daily users that Snap reported in August, even as it also beat the street's expectations on its loss per share and revenues. But average daily users is one of the metrics that matters to investors, who are focused on reach and the network effects and market power that can bring. Snap has tried hard to get out of that race because it'll never catch up to Facebook with its 2.2 billion users, or even Instagram, the Facebook subsidiary that comes closest to Snapchat and functionality, especially after all the things Facebook and Instagram have copied from Snapchat. So between the Amazon connection on Monday and the bad share prices at the end of the week, perhaps it was inevitable that people started speculating that Amazon will buy Snapchat within a year or two to take advantage of its relationships with all those young users who still prize the site over everything else. That could happen, especially if the losses keep mounting and the users drop. But all that said, there's still plenty to like about Snapchat. It's had some positive news in recent days, and not just from Amazon. Let me list the ways. Teens and young adults still love the site, according to multiple studies by the Pew Research Center and others in recent months. The company has a $250 million investment from Saudi prince Al-Walid bin Talal, a big investor in media. And those revenues are growing. A recent eMarketer study projects the company's ad revenues will hit $662 million this year, and nearly double that by 2020. Finally, media companies are still doing deals with Snap, as suggested by more than that Amazon deal. I recently talked with Ocean McAdams, president of Thrillist, one of the major sites for the big online publisher Group 9. Thrillist just launched a channel on Snapchat's Discover section, where there are already quite a few big media companies, brands, and influencers. The channel initially will focus on travel, but McAdams said that's just the obvious place to start, given a lack of competition on Snapchat in that sector. Expect to see Thrillist expand the channel in coming months into other areas, such as food, drink, and entertainment. In the meantime, Thrillist hopes to give teens ideas about travel to aspire to, and college kids and young adults places to go for spring break, summer vacation, and those first trips after graduation. McAdams acknowledged that Snap has had some problems, but for Thrillist and the other Group 9 sites, that powerful connection between young audiences and Snapchat is too much to ignore. Expect a lot of branded entertainment deals to help power this partnership. The next part of this podcast is my conversation with McAdams. You'll get an idea where Thrillist and Group 9 are coming from as they look at the opportunities with Snap. Give a listen and let me know what you think. Are you using Snapchat? Do you think the company has a chance to survive and thrive? Or do you think it's ripe for a takeover? Let me know. Anyway, here's my conversation with Ocean. Ocean. Your all's news today is that you are rolling out a channel on Snapchat. Um, right. So tell me, tell me what you're doing and why you're doing it. Well, we
1: are launching a, uh, a, a, Thrillist, on, a Thrillist Discover channel, and we are focusing um, on um, – we really felt like that was a, a white space uh, on Snap. Uh, And obviously, something that's incredibly core to what Thrillist does. Um, And so, you know, ultimately, we'll, you know, down the road, it'll it'll be the full offering of Thrillist. But we really wanted to initially focus on travel.
0: Yeah, that's because I I get your all daily newsletter, and I see what you do, and I uh, I don't think of you specifically as a travel site, though. Obviously, that's a component. But you're going to start with, as you said, trying to fill the white space. You know the core of of Thrillist has always been food, drink,
1: and travel. And over the past couple of years, we have begun to really get into uh, entertainment. Um, uh, but as we looked at as we looked at the white space on uh, on Snap, it's not the best thing for the Snap generation. We really felt like there was a, there was an area there. To really be a service to our audience, to really inspire them for the love of uh, and the love of travel, and uh, so we thought that would be a, a really nice focus for us as we, as we got into the into the Snap game.
0: Yeah, this is interesting because uh, Snap is beloved by. Uh, we've had studies from like the Pew Center in the last six months, for instance, uh, detailing how much teenagers 14 to 17 year olds really like snapchat much more than everything but maybe youtube but that they're not the ones making the decisions on the travel quite yet so i'm sort of curious is this more aspirational and when they get a couple years older and they can get a few bucks to go off on on vacation or whatever themselves they can they can head to the redwoods or they can head to thailand or or italy or whatever i mean is that what the idea is here
1: well, I think there's two things. One is, you know, the, yes, obviously folks in that age group are, you know, are, they're, they're part of the decision and it's definitely aspirational. But there's also uh, a Gen Z at 18 to 23 who really are beginning to travel for the first time. Um, you know, those are kids yeah. who are in college and are thinking about summer vacation or spring break. And, you know, I think one of the things that we've always been very careful of at Thrillist is when, you know, when you say travel and people immediately mean, hey, I'm, I'm heading off to Tokyo. But travel can mean going to an amusement park in the next state. Travel can mean going for a weekend at the lake. And you know, I think one of the things that you'll see on our on our channel, and frankly, you'll see on all of our coverage uh, at Thrillous Round Travel, is that we you know we have an expansive idea of what travel is. We understand what our you know what our audience thinks today, um, when they when you say that. And I think you'll you'll see a reflection yeah. of that on the of our
0: channel. So you'll take, this is a subset though, just to be clear. This is a subset of all the things you do. Now, obviously producing something for your typical web-based stuff is different than producing for Snapchat. So you've had to make some changes, I guess, in what you're, how you're producing what you're producing, correct? Because now it's got to be vertical and mobile first and all that stuff. And that's not really Thrillist's roots, if I recall.
1: Well, I think I think uh, in some ways, I think there's an idea of, of Thrillist that is probably based on what Thrillist was a few years ago. Thrillist is a, is a true distributed media company, and, and you know, what I mean by that is we are literally everywhere, our, we, we aspire to be everywhere our audience is. Certainly that means Thrillist.com, it's a fantastic website, um, but it also means being on Facebook newsfeed, and that usually means video, that means being on Facebook Watch, that means being on YouTube. That means being, um, in, uh, uh, interacting with our audience, uh, in, uh, in, in real life. Um, we've got a, you know, we do about, uh, about 40 events a year around the, around the country. Oh. And so, um, and so Thrillist being on Snapchat, certainly we want to make sure that we have a core, we have, we have a very firm idea of what the Thrillist brand is, but it also needs to reflect the platform that we're on. And so for Snapchat, yeah, it needs to be on, uh, on vertical. Um, we certainly, you know, both from a kind of physical production standpoint, it's going to be a little bit different than in other platforms. And also from a, as we just talked about, from understanding who the audience is on Snap is going to be a little bit different than the audience is on YouTube and a little bit different than the audience is on Thrillist.com. And so certainly you want to customize to making sure that you are speaking in the way and to the audience um, that you want to reach on that individual platform but it's always thrillist and you always know it's thrillist by the by the voice and the visual style
0: this was a complicated week for snap they uh, continued to have i think good engagement but they actually lost some subscribers for the first time and they certainly had some challenges over since facebook basically decided to do a rampant copy of most of their best features onto instagram stories and facebook itself Your your decision to now debut on Snapchat seems to me to be something of a validation for the company at a time when it might have had a rough few months. So why do you think you need to be on Snapchat at this point?
1: You know, I would say a couple of things. I mean, number one, you know, obviously we are, are constantly monitoring, you know, what, uh, where our audience is and, and, and uh, what platforms they're embracing. You know, we're, you know, I, I know what the, uh, I'm aware of some of the troubles that they face by reading the press, but I got, I, A, we, we know that a large uh, portion of our audience is on Snap and loves Snap we I also I will also say that Snap has been a fantastic partner on this. You know, we have been talking to them since we uh, and since since the beginning of our uh, the thought that we, w- we wanted to get uh, on Snap, mm-hmm. uh, and they have been very supportive, both with um, uh, you know advice, uh, resources, best practices, pretty much now. And now all the Group Nine brands are 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 on Snap. And I have to say, the experience has been very positive for all of them, both from a, you know, just a partnership standpoint, from an audience standpoint, and, and from a revenue standpoint.
0: So we're, you know, we're still bullish. It feels like to me that Snapchat still matters because of its intense connection and its VR, uh, its ability to create an AR lens on the world for the generation that's coming up. Yeah. And that generation is big, and it's going to be more influential probably than millennials by the time they get all done with it, and they are more plural, et cetera, et cetera. So they, they're going to change media in a lot of ways as they get more settled in. But for you guys, in terms of the shorter term, you all see this opportunity as a chance to connect with audience that you know is there. and that you all can talk to now how are you all making money how is this how is this being handled in terms of you know is it ad revenue that uh, they sell and you get a piece of that or how does this all work
1: yeah i mean i you know i think every deal is different i think we can't go into too many things but yeah i think the the standard operation is that you know the snap sell uh sells and and shares with a partner and um. Then there's some. And then there's then there's sponsorship.
0: So we're you know, are you all doing a lot of branded stuff? I mean, I'm curious totally. about how much of your your mix is that. You know, I obviously can't
1: talk about what, how, what percentage of the blend it is, but it's. Um, but yeah, I know it's an important part of our revenue stream. The reason that we have such great relationships, you know, with uh, you know, with with brand other brands is we speak to a to a really important audience, and you know, equally as important. Our audience really sees us as, um, you know, partners in making a decision. You know, our audience is trying to figure out where to go and what to eat and what to drink, uh, what to stream. Um, and, you know, we see over and over again that, you know, people use Thrillist as a, as a real service, as a real utility to help them make those decisions. And so that's, a, that's an, an, an important offering to, uh, for, for advertising partners.
0: And that's my podcast for this week. I'll be fascinated to see how Snap's future unfolds. Some, such as New York University's marketing professor, Scott Galloway, predict Snap can't afford to remain an independent company for more than another year or two. It makes for a fun headline, but I'm less certain of Snap's imminent demise. I look at some of Snap's positives, like that strong connection with a blossoming generation, just as augmented reality becomes a powerful daily part of their lives, And it seems like the company has a shot to survive if it can hold on during these complicated early years and despite the depredations of Facebook, which is now under lots and lots of pressure. Drop me a line on LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook or any of the platforms where you find fine audio entertainment, such as this spectacular podcast, and let me know what you think. In the meantime, have a great week. This is David Bloom, over and out. You've been listening to Bloom in Tech. I am your host, David Bloom. Thanks so much. And our podcast has been sponsored in this episode by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Take care, everyone.